0: Hey everyone, I'm Britt and welcome to Educate Me, a podcast where we share stories of surviving and thriving in graduate school. This week I chatted with master's student Tori Aru about their experience of suffering a traumatic brain injury at the beginning of their program, how they're recovering, and what the future looks like now. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Yeah, so I'm Toria Roo, and I go to University of Colorado Boulder, and I'm in their atmospheric and analytical chemistry division in the chemistry department. And my research is on cloud formation and how that connects to the global energy budget. So ideally, by doing my field campaigns and whatnot, we'll have a better idea of how to, like, determine how much energy is, like, kept in our atmosphere or, like, kept from getting into our atmosphere by clouds, which would be very useful for the UN.
0: That is really interesting. I admit, I think the last time I did anything on clouds, I think, was our grade five curriculum, and we learned about the different cloud formations, uh, but also, I mean, we both live near the Rocky Mountains, and, uh, our cloud formations are amazing whereas then when i lived in the uk for 2 years like we had either like overcast or clear skies <laughs> and when i moved back yeah. i like it was just amazing like the difference uh, that made so what are some of, what are some of the things you're finding like this is really interesting
1: yeah so i haven't gone on field campaign yet and since i'm currently on a leave of absence mm. it's possibly not going to be my project anymore depending on when I return to school but we collect our data in Oklahoma so we can look at Ah. how nitrogen affects the nitro the cloud formation because it's expected that nitrogen particle like cloud condensation nuclei that form as a result of nitrogen in the atmosphere are about 50 percent of the cloud condensation nuclei that we see but we don't know how that, like, mechanism works. So we aren't able to, like, really elim- minimize the uncertainty in that number yet. That is
0: really interesting. And is there mainly links to nitrogen or, like, other possible, um, I don't know, molecules or or things
1: as well in other regions? So there are, like, two and... I really should remember, the, like, their mechanism that forms cloud condensation nuclei. So I'm sorry, Dr. Brown. I'll <laughs> remember this for next time. But essentially, we understand that mechanism super well, which is why I'm focused on the nitrogen pathway.
0: Oh, interesting. And, that, like, what got you in into this field?
1: So... My family would argue that I've been an environmentalist since day one. So, things of how I ended up in this nitrogen pathway work.
0: Interesting. Um, My internet is cutting out a bit, so I'm just going to turn off my video for a few minutes to see if that helps with our connection, Uh, but I'm still here. (laughs) Okay, great. Cool. Oh, that's really interesting. And what made
1: you uh, choose the university or choose to go to university in Colorado? So I used the very important benchmark for applying to schools of over 300 days of sun a year. Yes. (laughs) Very important taking care of your mental health in grad school is exceptional. You do what you can because yes. you're doing so much. Yeah. And then when I was looking at my options, I felt like the work going on at CU was the work I was most interested in. And there were multiple avenues that I could put- see myself being really happy exploring. Hmm. So The faculty are also amazing and super supportive and i'm really glad that this is the place that i chose to come to
0: yeah i think like location is so important i see some people like chat on twitter about people choosing program over location and that not turning out very well or choosing location over program and that also not turning out very well and so it's like i think it really is this fine balance um but definitely like i think location for sure has to f- has to factor in there otherwise like i mean grad school could be upwards of 8 years right so um right. yeah to be stuck in a place where you don't really want to be
1: and i spent most of my like young adult life and bachelor's degree in new england and mm-hmm. i love new england from there so good love the atlantic ocean however I also knew that winter makes me sad because it's not a nice winter. It's a really cruel winter. So I am happy to be in a place where I look I enjoy winter because there's still sunshine. It doesn't just disappear for seven months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have that too. And then the ability to also like do winter activities that make winter a little less terrible is also nice. Yes. Uh, So I want to ask you, like in your student experience, what have you found to be some of the challenges that you faced?
1: Well, my challenges aren't necessarily like the quote unquote normal challenges for grad students, because I moved here last summer before I started my degree and was doing summer research with a group in the chemistry department and then towards the end of July about three weeks three weeks or a month before school was supposed to start I got in a really bad car accident and Mm -hmm. that I didn't break any bones I don't look like I got in a terrible car accident but I had a pretty bad brain injury so I ended up deferring the fall to January and then COVID really impact my ability to do school because it required yeah. me being on the computer for like nine hours a day. And yeah, for the uninitiated, computers and brain injuries don't play well together.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, The migraines are pretty heavily triggered by computers as it works out naturally. So I'm currently on a leave of absence to avoid trying to do the same thing in the fall, because I know that CU's going online at some point for the fall, they made that very clear, so it was in my best interest, and I discussed this with my PI, and she agreed that it was in my best interest to, like, I have all the time in the, well, not all the time in the world, but there is time to finish this degree and trying to, like, push through something that's really not something you can push through doesn't make sense for me. So I think the thing I'm currently grappling with is figuring out how to apply, and this will be something I continue doing in the future, but how to apply my academic accommodations as a result of the disability I'm still figuring out how to live with to like my future semester so I can succeed and figure everything out.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot to deal with. Um, I mean, I know people who have had just minor concussions and the, the impact that that's had on their ability to work is, is huge. Um, and so when, when this happened, like how, how did you really approach making a decision about going on leave and, um, like what kind of support systems did you have,
1: even though you were
0: away from home?
1: Um, so naturally my partner and I are also distanced there in Boston. Yeah. Right now. Um, and we're both from the East coast, so that makes sense, but I have a lot of really lovely friends here and also the department Wants to see their students succeed, which has been so important for my well being. Figuring out, like, okay, how long am I going to be gone? Like, do I plan on the whole year or do I just start planning on going back in January? But all of the professors that I've taken classes with so far have wanted to make sure because all of the professors know because I was involved over the summer. So and it's a small, de- like, it's a small division in the department, so it was like, oh, we were supposed to have Tori, like, on campus teaching, and they are not able to be here because they still need to figure out how, like, their brain works again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, but I have friends in the department and, like, postdoc friends who have checked in, and one of them has helped me be comfortable with getting out of my comfort zone, relearning how to ride a bike, and, like, get on a climbing wall again, which has been really good for just, like, continuing to figure out how to be a human. Yeah. Because I, like, I finished my undergrad degree with a very different brain than I currently have. So the way that I was able to study and do education in the past is very different from how I function now. And the disability services office is also excellent. And my coordinator there has made sure that I have all of the resources I need and has helped me figure out how to get the accommodations I need to be able to succeed, which has also been really helpful
0: that's really good to hear that like your faculty uh supervisors other professors in the unit and also the school are so supportive uh because i know that's that's not always the case when people need to take a leave or or people feel pushed out and feel like they they have to take a leave or when they don't want
1: to um yeah so I'm i have about- definitely been lucky on that front because i'm I know based on the places I was choosing between, this wouldn't have been how it went based on like at some of the other schools I applied to. Mm. So I wouldn't wish a major car accident on anyone, <laughs> no. but I am grateful that it happened here with these faculty and like the friends who have come into my life and some of my friends have like wouldn't have come into my life if I hadn't gotten in a car accident not to say I'm like grateful to have like nearly destroyed my car and like took a pretty big hit to the brain but yeah I recognize that there are good things that came out of this really hard experience too
0: Wow, that sounds like you're, you've really dealt with it in a
1: really healthy way as well. I've also had a year, so. Yeah, yeah. I love my counselor. She's really great. That has also been, like, making sure I had, like, mental health support because a lot of, I'm sure I'm not alone, but a lot of grad students have this mindset, like, oh, like, My work kind of defines me in this Mm -hmm. period of my life. And what am I without my work? And being able to wrestle with those questions in a safe environment with her and friends who encourage me to think deeply out here has, is probably a large part of the reason that I'm like, I don't like that I had to make this decision, but I'm also able to recognize like, it's just very gray, like it's not all bad, yeah, yeah, and I think
0: like I mean, I think everyone should just be in therapy and just go to therapy because we are humans and and we need that, uh, but I, I think would agree, yeah, I think you' such a good point about having that space to to think think these things through, but like you had plans and, and getting this grad degree in a reasonable amount of time was probably part of those plans and they've been thrown off. And I think there's a lot of people out there right now who can relate to that, even in a small way of, um, like their data collection was thrown off or, uh, their ability to be in the lab or their ability to even conduct the research has been completely thrown off because of this pandemic. And, and how do we deal with that and kind of grieve that and move past it in a, in a way that's healthy and not just be stuck in that grief of things aren't going the way that I had planned.
1: Right. And recognizing I had planned on four and a half to five years, Mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, I'll have my degree by my, like, by my mid to late 20s. And coming to terms. So CU has a six-year PhD policy, but that doesn't include leaves of absence. So mine will probably be like seven and a half from when I was supposed to technically matriculate. Yeah. Probably. There's (laughs) lots of time to... I'm open to that changing, but right now I'm going to say probably seven and a half years, and that's okay. Yeah. But it's like, oh... I'll probably be 30 when I become doctor or Yeah. I won't be like 27, which that's not an inherently bad thing. And there's something to be said for the way that U.S. graduate school or like the U.S. academia tenure track route works. Yeah. And how you don't get a break ever. Yeah but that's not that requires someone who has training beyond chemistry I think about these things but I don't I haven't looked at like the populations and like why they feel pressured to do that or why the universities feel the need to like encourage it but that's a whole nother thing the way it is (laughs) I think that a lot about the US right now yeah, I think, yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> yes. yes. And I mean, so
0: I hate the way in Canada we often, like, look down at the U.S. and, and go, yeah, we'll just say stay safe up here and everything's hunky-dory and we're, we're just so polite and kind. Um, and yet we have systematic issues that are so deep um, with our indigenous populations, with um, racism of all sorts. Uh, including uh, Black racism, but Asian racism particularly is on the uptick because of COVID-19 and people thinking it's a China virus and these sorts of things. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's really important to look at systems, but at the same time recognize that we're just individuals. And yes, we do have roles to play in that, but there's only so much within our individual control too. I think it's, I think it's easy, like, there's a, I can't remember what the word is, but there's a word in German that's basically, um, I think it's weltschmatz, but it's, like, basically, uh, world grief and this sense of grief that you Mm. have about, like, the state of the world, and I think it's really easy just to get into that and get, like, just sucked down into it and just stay
1: there, you know what I mean? I would agree, because it's definitely really easy to say, okay, like, the world, it, or the U.S. in particular feels like it's just a dumpster fire and we're pouring oil on it. <laughs> <sighs> there are lots of things, but. Yeah. It's like these are so big and and it's recognizing that I can't make everything better because there's syst- systematic issues and I am one person. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that part part of performing one's civil duty or civic responsibility is showing up in the ways you can. Because if everyone, like, if a lot of the people who stand by these things show up, whether it be climate change or combating, like, the school-to-prison pipeline or there are so many things. The list in the U.S. is a very long laundry list, but the fact that we are starting to see changes happen, which is so, not to say we are done, we're nowhere near, but the fact that change is happening because people are showing up and putting their money where their mouth is and walking the talk. It's, it's exciting even though it's still a dumpster fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I know what you mean and I I think I mean like Twitter blew up a bit uh uh, with um Kamala Harris being um named as as the VP ticket in the states and I think I think there's probably just as long of a list in Canada of, of things that we need to fix and address um if not longer uh I mean we've got in our province, we've got a government that is dismantling both the medical system and the education system uh, in the name of uh, a balanced budget. And so it's really difficult as an individual to say, okay, what, like, what can I do towards that without becoming like completely overwhelmed?
1: I have a number of plants and like i also work with children right now yeah since i'm out of school and this is something that i've been doing pretty naturally since i was like 13 14 mm-hmm. so it's and i work predominantly with toddlers mhm which takes an element of patience that i am <laughs> continually learning but I am so encouraged by the creativity and the wonder that the Mm -hmm. little one I work with has just interacting with the world and learning new things. And like that wonder gives me hope because Mm -hmm. that is the type of wondering curiosity that leads us deeper into things and how I realized that like 13, I wanted a PhD Weird weird things for a 13-year-old to be like, this is what I want. But here we are. But it's definitely really exciting to be involved with the next generation while also having the pretty green things surrounding my like apartment and keeping me busy in my off hours. So I can only spend so much time consuming news because it's not that we shouldn't consume it. It's just there needs to be a balance because yeah rest is also necessary
0: yeah and I think also like choosing where you consume the news um I mean to have Facebook or Twitter be your primary news source is probably like not the best choice uh because those are algorithmically um programmed so that you see the things that you are more likely to agree with uh, versus going to an actual the actual news site and looking at well what what's everything that's going on and and what are what are other things happening and um, yeah like there's still good news stories happening out there some some horrific terrible things happening out there but there's also good news stories too yeah yeah and I often like I've been thinking too about how yes idea like even in, in grad school of that. And in research in general for every question we have that we answer we uncover so many more and and this idea that like I feel like I'm very much in that phase right now where I just have so many more questions uh but this idea that like as an individual we can't change everything and as an individual we can't research everything and there's going to be things that we just have to be happy not knowing um and put on the future research list uh but also things that like, we're just never going to get to, or that are interesting, but outside of our scope or outside of our, our ability to manage. Um, And like, how do we make those choices and how do we, how do we decide, like, what, what, what is something I'm going to stand up for? um, Or what is, what is something I'm going to research like that same decision-making
1: process I think comes into play. Yeah. And there's definitely, that's one of the beauties of having a research community. So Like, it's really cool to see how my, like, division, like, interacts. And when we were shutting down all of the labs in March, we put instruments from three separate groups into our lab so we could collect ambient air measurements from outside to see how they were changing with everyone leaving. Hmm. And it was really exciting to see how rapidly we could work together even though the reason we were working together on this wasn't something any of us thought we were going to be researching this year.
0: Yeah, like it's created new opportunities for people. I mean, I've seen so much research, both on the on the uh, medical science side, but also on the social sciences side, pop up of questions around COVID-19. And I mean, the impact of isolation on different populations or... Uh, different areas of well-being and those sorts of things I think is also really interesting
1: yeah and I try to read some of that when I have a chance because it's it's exciting to see the work that's being done as the result of a pandemic even if we wouldn't want the pandemic to happen if we had a choice
0: yeah yeah absolutely and I think yeah, I think there's a lot of students who are in that field and we're in that, that mindset right now or mind space where they had, they had these plans or they, had, they thought their research was going to go one direction um, and it goes another. And I keep thinking, too, of, of the incoming class of undergrads and how, um, and how challenging this is. I mean, not only if they're coming directly from high school, not only did they not get their high school graduation the way they thought they would. Uh, but they don't get that first year college experience the way they thought they would, and how, like, how hard that is, and and thinking too about I think yeah most people are in a stage where yeah things are just not not the way they had envisioned and not the way they planned. I saw a meme and it was uh, uh, no one got it right when they said where they'd be five years from now in
1: 2015. <laughs> that is true well and like my brother and like his group of friends are all going into their senior year of college and they're not going to get like the senior year that they thought they would and now they're all having to make the do I go to school like and be in person and like take these risks or do I stay home and do everything remotely Mm -hmm. and that's not a decision I'd wish on anyone
0: Yeah. Or do I take a gap year and, and wait it
1: out? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely really grateful to graduate in 2019 and get the whole like senior formal and graduation and like celebrate this degree being done because Mm -hmm. it, like I was writing a thesis while I was doing graduate school visits. So that last semester was brutal. Yeah. But being able to celebrate it being done, and I still got to study abroad, and all of these things that I had been looking forward to since high school, and I can't imagine having to be in the position of, I'm not even capable of getting a visa to go to X country because they aren't allowing people from the U.S. in right now. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> <sighs> I have lots of thoughts about that. I'm amused mostly.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I mean it's not a situation to laugh at, but I can't help but laugh a little bit. <laughs> it's it's you laugh or you cry. And I choose to laugh in this yeah.
1: slightly yeah. dark moment.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, in a sense, I mean not not against individual Americans, but I think in a sense it's like America kept others out and now others are keeping America out a little bit of just desserts um the metaphorical wall yeah <laughs> but I think I mean even if someone like I could get it go places uh even without a visa uh to a lot of places but like I don't want to um and I think yeah I don't know I think this isn't a good question for you as well because you're in this space of of having having a traumatic brain injury where the recovery path in my understanding is that it's not linear. Um, and yeah. And so you could like, you can make plans for when you think you can return and you can make plans for how you might return to the lab and how you might return to research. Um, but how are you grappling with the idea that like that the recovery path isn't linear and you could have setbacks or you might not be able to go back when you think you can go back.
1: So I don't remember a lot of things from my first month post-brain injury. Mm. That month is, the first two weeks are especially super foggy. Yeah. You know, I had three ER visits, and I ended up dropping my car off for a number of repairs. Yeah. And the fact that my car is, st- like, I didn't have to get a new car, like, they replaced an entire side of my car sort of thing. Oh, wow. And, so, like, it was gone. It, yeah. were, it should have been gone, maybe, <laughs> would be the better statement on that front. But two weeks after the accident, which coincidentally was my 22nd birthday, mm. and I'm chilling in, like, dark glasses, sleeping 16 hours a day, doing pretty standard brain injury things. Yeah. and. I go to the neurologist on my birthday because it took three ER visits to scan my head. And they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, you have a brain injury. Mm. No referral. Okay, cool. I have thoughts about the American medical system, but yeah. that's side And that's, I could write a thesis based yeah. on anecdotal experience. Oh, I bet. But I'm going to the neurologist on my 22nd birthday. And he says, the first thing I want you to know is you can't hold healing to a timeline. Mm. And I remember the thing I said in response, and I am smirking because (laughs) I deserved what I got because I said, I'm going back to school in January. Mm. And he said, you should be okay with healing not being linear.
0: Yeah,
1: I intend to go back in January. So I'm laughing now because I'm probably about to take the full academic year off. Yeah. And I saw him last in May and the comment was essentially, you seem like you're doing, like you're making the right decisions to support your health, all things considered. And if you need anything, like I'm here to support you but Mm -hmm. also don't feel like you need to, like, schedule something now since Mm -hmm. you're an established patient. But I am having to let go of a lot of the, like, baggage I carry around productivity. Mm -hmm. Productive for me right now looks like being able to eat dinner at the end of the day and talking complete sentences, Mm -hmm. which – That wasn't necessarily happening like towards the end of the semester and during like my first couple weeks of summer research when my PI and I agreed that it was probably best idea or the best idea to take some time off and just regroup and give my brain the space it needed to recover Mm -hmm. because I did the math and I spent over half of the semester with a migraine, Mm. which for a normal person, is debilitating. Mm-hmm. For someone with a brain injury, it's like you short-circuit everything. So I am definitely still in the process of regaining my short and long-term memory. And anecdotally, from people in my life who have also been through things like this, you generally have an idea of what you have around the two-year mark,
0: hmm. which would
1: be next July. Yeah, be after another full academic year but I have had to make my peace with I am not going to get like 100 like be like perfect or like get 100s on anything anymore and that's also okay as long as Mm -hmm. I understand the information and I feel like I'm making the progress I need to be making it's hard. I don't have it figured out. I also cry a lot, which is healthy. Yeah. I have a very sweet stuffed narwhal that a friend sent to me in the aftermath of the car accident, Mm. and his name is Nori. He's light blue and about yay big, and he has a cute little horn, and he is, like, my go-to. Oh, I'm stressed. I'm going to pet you for a minute and then help the plants, because those are, like, Mm -hmm. the two things that help me like unwind especially Mm -hmm. if it's been like a hard day at school or in the case hard month or months Mm -hmm. but it's definitely all still very much a process and I'm almost painfully aware of how uh, not how behind I feel, but I definitely set myself back just based on the way the spring semester went and with everything being online. And, like, I was in, like, concussion glasses in the dark under, like, a weighted blanket a lot. And so I'm aware that I took more steps back than I probably should have been willing to which is why I'm pretty sure I'll end up being out of school for the next year. Yeah. Who knows? It might come back faster this time around since I'm farther out, but it's like, I didn't go back to square one. Mm. Like I went back far enough. That's like, Ooh, will you be able to do this degree now? Or Mm -hmm. are you going to keep trying and it's never going to really get there? And I'm optimistic that it'll work out. Yeah, I'm also so stubborn. That
0: <laughs> I, I think that's good. When, when yeah, when healing from these sorts of things, it's like yeah, you have to have like that will is so important in in making these things happen. And I think it's yeah, it's that balance of. Uh, like what I'm hearing you say, the balance of um, accepting where you're at and accepting your limitations, uh, but then also the will and the drive to extend those limitations and to um, change those limits at the same time.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I should probably acknowledge what I call stubbornness; my friends would call resilience, mm. because I keep re- like. This isn't the first, like, thing that's kind of pushed my life away from the trajectory I thought it was going to have, but I'm like a cat. I land on my feet, mostly. Sometimes I tip over because my balance is a joke, but (laughs) mostly I land on my feet.
0: Oh, yeah, that's so good. I, yeah. Wow. I like, th- I just really appreciate you sharing your story because I think, I know there's uh, grad students out there who are grappling with all sorts of things um, and actually a, a colleague of mine, um, she finished her PhD and then had a traumatic brain injury uh, and had mm-hmm. to learn to talk again. Um, and so I know there's other people going through uh, a whole spectrum of things, whether it's it's the pandemic uh, pushing them back and they're having to be resilient in that sense, or they've had an injury or some other major setback. Uh, yeah, setbacks are going to come all the time, I'm learning, uh, and in all sorts of different forms. And yeah, and like what you said about resilience, I think is just so important. And, and maybe even thinking about it as stubbornness for yourself, though, I think might be good in the sense that I know resilience it seems to me to be something that comes later on like you can look back and say yes I was resilient but in the moment I think like you referring to it as stubbornness I think is actually really fitting.
1: I would agree with that. I would also so the CU mascot this is not completely unrelated. He's <laughs> the bison, the American bison. So we have Ralphie. And she is a buffalo, and I love her. So, I and bison are also super stubborn. Mm -hmm. I feel very mean by my mascot. I rock. Not something I would ever expect to come out of my mouth. But (laughs) I can definitely relate to your colleague a lot because I, because took them two weeks and three ER visits to like actually figure out that I had a brain injury mm. by the time that they and really what it comes down to is the only reason they even sent me in for a CT scan is because I couldn't talk in complete sentences and like I asked them to turn the lights down because it was too bright and the room wasn't in retrospect it wasn't bright to begin with mm-hmm. like Colorado sun, that's bright. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hospital rooms, less bright. Yeah. And it's hard. Speech pathology is really hard. And I very much, like, the people in my life know me to have an absurd vocabulary because I enjoy words and I enjoy Mm -hmm. reading. And reading is hard now. So, like, figuring out what can I do to unwind? Since the things that I used to do to unwind actually take a lot of brain power. hmm And, like, I substitute words when I'm talking a lot. I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened during this conversation because it happens a lot. It happens a lot, a lot. But yeah. I also... Like, I recognize how far I've gotten, because I'm, like, four days out from, like, the year of my first visit to the neuro, Mm -hmm. and before I, like, started OT to, like, figure out balance and, like, basic, like, muscle coordination things, and speech pathology, and then the neuro and the chiropractor, because Mm -hmm. some of my vertebrae were rotated, which is fun. Wow. But.
0: Yeah. So what are things that you found you enjoy
1: now to unwind? Um, so most of the last year, my apartment had a bath Mm. and candlelit baths are my love language. Yeah. Um, I don't have a I moved in the last few months, and I don't have a bath at my new place. But tending my plants is also one of those very tactile but low brain power things mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. And I'm trying to think, I, I'm trying to get back into crafting because I used to like knit and mm-hmm. sew a lot, and I have all of my knitting supplies. But that coordination would have been really hard. Mm-hmm. So- out. So that's on my to-do list of things to relearn. And I'm in – it turns out I can ride a bike. I don't tip over immediately, which is a start. But I do need to continue practicing and readjusting to being on a bike because that's a yeah. vestibular, like, balance thing that you can't really learn just by walking. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So – that's on my bu- like on my to-do list with climbing, mm. because that's also very coordination. Yes, yeah, and it is so satisfying. It is so satisfying. It was. It's been really awesome to see how, even though a lot of those things were gone for a really long time, like they're coming back. And I love hiking. I love getting outside. So I'm hoping to hike. That's usually a weekend thing, though. Yeah. And I call my partner because they're in Boston Mm -hmm. and Boulder.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah, I think, like, that's such a good list, but I think – um, like I also knit and climb, and so I can relate. Uh, nice. And then um, I just got a new bike, which is very different from the style of bike I was riding before, and I felt like I was relearning. I mean, it happened very like I was able to pick it up pretty quick, but uh, I was like, what what is this? <laughs> Why How do these gears work? They're very different. Uh, and so relearning or or learning things anew um, it can be really satisfying but also quite frustrating.
1: Yes, and I left my last bike in New England, so this bike was new to me Mm -hmm. when I, like, after I moved here, and it was different than my previous bike, and now I'm like, oh, cool. I get to adjust to a different style of gears and also balance, but it's good for me. Yeah. is forcing me to practice patience, which is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I'm an I'm an incredibly impatient person, so I
1: feel you there. <laughs> I, I have doing, learned more patience in the last year than I had in the previous 10. I I can imagine out
0: of necessity mainly. Yes, there wasn't an option
1: whereas before I had the option and I always said thanks no.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, that patience with yourself. Like I'm definitely the most impatient with myself. Um, I expect to be able to learn things quickly, I expect to be good at things the first time I try them, I expect to be able to pick, pick up new things, uh, readily, and when it doesn't happen, I get so frustrated with myself, um,
1: yeah. I very much would have considered those, like, personality characteristics of mine. (laughs) And it's like, ah, those can't be, because they completely conflict with how I have to interact with the world now. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really interesting practice to be like, okay, so if those things don't define me, what am I letting define me? And I'm still figuring that one out. It's hard to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you kind of raised that earlier around this idea that um, we are like I, as researchers or graduate students, like our work often is our identity, and there's a lot of our identity tied in with that. But I think even more so, your identity in terms of, well, are you are are you even a student when you're not taking classes or uh, in the lab every day? Um, and your identity in terms of you were a reader before, like what are you now? And all those sorts of things are also mixed and tied in there too.
1: A slow reader. Turns out I can still read, it just takes a lot of time. Mm. And turns out my glasses prescription changed substantially from my previous, previous life. I feel kind of like a cat I have nine lives. At this point, I've burned through a few of them, but there is still a number to go, so it's fine. (laughs) But it turns out my glasses were actually probably making my life substantially harder because my eyes and brain had to compensate for the fact that I was not adjusting them correctly. Huh. So I'm hoping that improves my quality of life because Mm -hmm. they should arrive in the next two weeks.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah excited yeah
1: how that works out
0: yeah when I get my new glasses prescription it's always like oh that's why I couldn't read the road sign um (laughs) yes 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 yeah uh have you gotten into audiobooks and podcasts at all um as a way to compensate
1: so I'm working on getting back into podcasts because that used to be something I would do while I ran Mm. that and calling people and turns out I am not coordinated enough to run right now. Mm. Um, that's the thing I can't do without tripping over my feet because my feet end up too close mm-hmm. to each other. But I, I would like pick up audiobooks from the library, which isn't super. And because I moved, I'd have to go to the library like 30 minutes from my new place. Mm because I can't go to my current library in person it because COVID. Yep. Yep. So I, I am looking forward to audiobooks re-entering my life because I drive a fair bit for work right now. Whereas mm-hmm. I wa- I didn't when I was in school because public transit. So I would like podcast it up. Yeah. Because I had my phone. But I intend to do more. Has it been something I have actively gotten back into yet? No. Mm. I listen to instrumental music while I drive a lot now, just because uh-huh. it doesn't require a lot of cognitive processing to interact mm-hmm. with. And since driving is a very high brain activity and borderline traumatic. Yeah. But I can drive, it doesn't make me want to die. Well, it that, terrifies me every time, but that's a big positive. <laughs> yeah, like I'm doing okay with it. Like I'm doing as well as I'd expect to be doing with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine. Um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I found like a few. Like I found we my library does uh, audiobooks through like the app, so I don't oh. even have to go into the library uh yeah so see if your library does that because yeah I, I I like reading but I never take the time to do it but I found that with the audiobooks then I'm I can be doing all other sorts of things including just like lying there and uh and and listen to the book so I find that really helpful
1: yeah that sounds like something I would gladly do yeah yeah check that out yeah, most of my, like, stack of books right now is, like, a little more heady than I probably should have added to my stack of books, but <laughs> I'm an overachiever. That has not changed. It just means I work through it a lot slower, and yeah. that's also okay.
0: I'm I'm at the, like, point of having a bookshelf of unread books um, <laughs> that I need to work through, Uh, And also, like, well, that classic being a grad student and all the articles I've downloaded that I have not actually read yet, uh, but
1: really should read. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I was doing really well with making sure I read the papers, like, after my semester ended and, like, summer work started, but that's because a lot of my work right now, or A lot of my research before I took the break was coding. And coding Mm -hmm. is something I struggled with before the brain injury. And learning new things is a lot harder now than it was. Mm -hmm. So coding is something I need to pick up this year. I say with dread. Um, It'll happen. Yeah. It has to. I'm not looking forward to it. I
0: I can guarantee you're not alone. Uh, by the comments I see on that Facebook group, <laughs> you're not alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that, I'm in a number of grad school pages hmm. in the same vein. But they make me feel like I'm not insane. Especially... Just being in the position I'm in. Because when Mm -hmm. I graduated from undergrad, I was like, oh, like, I dealt with things during undergrad that, like, no undergrads dealt with. I'll be fine in grad school. That was a mistake. I should not have said those words out loud. They were a challenge, and I was, I don't think bested, but temporarily paused to think about the implication.
0: Yeah, the number of times I'm like, oh, I should not have said what I said a year ago. Um, yeah, that's come up a lot lately. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it, you still, if you're finishing by 30, I think you're still well-situated. I won't finish until I'm 33, probably. Maybe that's later. It's not bad, though. No, it's, it's, it's not. And I think this is also like what you brought up, too, about the uh, this need to be productive and and being getting to a certain like goalpost uh before or by a certain point in our lives. Or and I think um <sighs> yeah, this, this idea that you're always fighting the clock and, like, running out of time and have to have to do X, Y, Z in your life by the time you hit 35 or 30 or whatever. Um, one of my favorites is, is those tweets. I was like, oh, by 30, you should be in, like, this financial position. And then everyone's like, by 30, you should have... And it's just, like, these crazy things uh, that are actually, like, throwing that complete out the window and that you should be, like, drowning in debt and all these sorts of things that are more reality now. Um, and I yeah. think... Yeah, learning to be kind to ourselves. I hope it doesn't take everyone um, uh, a brain injury to to learn to be patient with themselves. Although I think for me it might require that because I definitely am not patient with myself
1: at all. So I, I'm gonna make that a goal. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I wish I had been comfortable learning sooner, mm. because. A comment I often make is I'm about as gentle as a sledgehammer. Yep. Um, and if I had learned how to be gentler with myself and more patient earlier on, I probably, I probably wouldn't have gone through the spring semester the way it worked out. Mm. Which would have been a lot easier on me as far as recovery goes. Yeah. But I wasn't. And now... I'm going to be extra careful, so. I'm
0: lesson learned, I guess. Trying yeah. to learn
1: the yeah. lesson. Will I actually? We'll see in January. But right now, just trying to honor what my brain needs. Yeah, yeah. that changes constantly.
0: I think that's a, a perfect note to end on here in terms of honoring what what you need in in whatever space you're currently in, uh, and really good advice for everyone out there listening in terms of no matter what they're dealing with is just to, to take a, a bit of patience with themselves and to, to honor what they need with where they are. So thank you so much, Tori, for, for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed getting to know you and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat soon, hopefully too. That sounds great. This was
1: a blast. Thank you, Britt.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Educate Me. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A huge thank you to our audio producer, Sean Paris. Join us again next week for more stories of surviving and thriving in graduate school. Until then, stay in school.